in what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. Sportsnet 650. Uh, quick, I, I made a mistake, which isn't anything new on this show. God, yesterday I had like 10 of them. Um, in my otherwise perfect retelling of the 1989 Sam Weish, you don't live in Cleveland comment, I always thought that that game was being played between the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals, but it wasn't. It was the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I I always thought that that was the genesis of why he said Cleveland. Sam Weish was talking behind Cleveland's back. I I just always thought that was the way, but it wasn't. Uh, and by the way, but that was when like Cleveland had no like, no no. You know, I like get it. The dog pound at their so, old stadium, and it was like legit dog pound. Then they throw right. batteries on the field, like, and so the inspiration for doing it is even more impressive because why battery said, throwing back then? Why? Yeah, why with the batteries? How did you get them into the game? Um, Weish said, "I had no idea what I was going to say when I took the mic." Right. And then I said it, and I just kind of blurted it out mm-hmm. because of the rivalry. And they said he always regretted it afterwards. Because he was known as that guy, right? I mean, Popovich won't be known as that guy, so I right. guess it's a little uh, apples and oranges. But anyway, uh, Drance is waiting patiently on hold, so let's get to the business here. Halford and Brown for the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintec.net. Let's go to the phone lines. Thomas Drance joins us now on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Oh, I'm coming to you guys live from the mobile Kintec studio at the finest Everett strip mall that I could find to conveniently stop on my way down to Seattle. Happy American Thanksgiving to you and to all of our listeners south of the border. Um, okay, yeah. I, so you're, you already made it through the border, which is good. Was it busy today? Because I think there's going to be a lot of oh, a lot of traffic. I was there at like five thirty. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sure it will be busy, but uh, but I made sure to avoid it. I, I have no patience, boys. Yeah. No patience. Fair enough. So I, I woke up early. Uh, quick thoughts on last night's game for the Vancouver Canucks: a five-two loss in Colorado to the Avalanche. I didn't think they played very well. To be totally honest with you, I mean. They were in the game, but I felt like the weird second period, the chaotic second period, sort of served to under uh, hide. Let me put it that way: put served to hide just how much better the Avalanche were throughout the game at five on five. Uh, in the third period, anyway, like the Canucks were able to put the Avalanche under some duress in terms of at least generating zone time and, and putting in some good work, and, and you like the effort. I think you saw from the Canucks last night, but. How often did you feel like Georgiev bailed the Avs out? Like, yeah. I, I just don't think they generated very many scoring chances. And, and at the end of the game, when you sort of look at it and think about it and are like, wow, the Avalanche outshot and outchanced the Canucks, 
um, in the third period, even though they trailed throughout, um, you know, that's a pretty well, like, measured, controlled, you know, I, I don't think the Avs dominated, but they, like, pretty tidily swept the Canucks aside. I think it's funny because I think we're all still trying to calibrate, like, what our expectations for the Canucks should be. Because, mm. like, for me, I actually disagree a little bit with you, but maybe it's based on, like, expectations for the game. I thought that the Canucks hadn't been playing all that well for the last five games, and I thought they were going to go into Colorado, and Colorado was going to be really upset about how the that Nashville game ended, and I thought they were going to come out firing, and I thought the Canucks were going to get dominated, and that didn't happen, and the game was tied at two after 40, and um, it didn't go the Canucks way in the third, but I thought the Canucks played pretty well given the situation but maybe our expectations for the team like are we are we all still trying to calibrate what we expect from the Canucks when they go into a place like Colorado and play a team like the Avs well I think so except I think it's it's maybe a little more pernicious than that I think people are just having fun they want to continue having fun and so they're trying to have it both ways right so out of one corner of their mouth, they'll be like, how could you have criticized the Miller contract? Look how well he's playing. Or, man, you'd give up every pick in the book for Heronic and Sam Lafferty. Um, you know, look at this team. They're the best in the Pacific. They're going to challenge Vegas for the Pacific Division crown. And then they go into Colorado, get pretty soundly outplayed. And people's take is like, well, what a, what a good effort against a great team. And it's like, mm-hmm. eh, they were pretty, pretty cleanly outclassed. I, th- I think we're just trying to have fun. And, and trying to have it both ways a little bit. Um, you know, the fact is, for me anyway, you know, I, I was like, my even my head was turned despite the PDO bender that the club was on in the first 11, 12 games of the season. I, I thought this team had a lot of outs. I thought they had a high enough baseline, five on five, that, that it would matter that, like, on one game, the power play is going to win it. On another game, Demko is going to win it. On another game, Pedersen, Hughes, JT Miller, you know, one of them is going to step up and do something so spectacular that this team is going to win an awful lot of games. But the bottom's kind of falling out of that baseline. Like five on five, this team's, especially at the top of the lineup, uh, really struggling to control play. You know, they're the bottom six right now, at, at least at even strength, is like their best territorial driver. Yeah. And I mean, that's good. That's like a credit to the likes of Connor Garland and Lafferty, Bobillier, Hoaglander and company. Um, but, you know, if, if the majority of your chances are being generated by like Teddy Bluger, Dakota Joshua and Connor Garland, that's a tough way to live, right? Like that's, you, you, you can't get out shot and out attempted consistently with your best centerman on the ice five on five. And if that continues you know, this Canucks start might be softer than we'd like, right? Like, I I think we've seen it over the course of the last eight games, right? Like, the the last eight games that this team has played, they have eight points. So that's a 500-point percentage. You know, their their PDO has regressed. They've come back to earth in those games. They're, you know, well below 100. And they've been outscored five on five. And and in those games, you know, it's an uh, overtime win over the Islanders. It's a win over the Senators, even though they were outplayed. And then they beat the Montreal Canadiens and the San Jose Sharks, two teams that I strongly expect to finish in the bottom five of the league standings. And when they've come up against, you know, teams with playoff aspirations, meaningful teams, you know, they've lost. Now, I I don't know that that's their level. I I expect this team to be better just off the back of their star players, the power play, 
their goaltending and, and frankly, a bottom six that seems able to control play more nights than not. Like those are real, the real strengths of the team. But, you know, they've been at a level where I don't think you can say the results they've had here of late, um, you know, have been like unfortunate or, or that it hasn't reflected their level. Uh, they're going to need to get back to controlling play five on five uh, if they're going to deserve better going forward and if they're going to maintain the sort of mid-90s point pace they need to, you know, be a 100-point team and like a, a safe top three team in the Pacific. Uh, I mean, just think about Friday, right? If, if you lose in regulation to Seattle on Friday, all of a sudden you're only four points clear of the Kraken. Yeah. Right? Like all of a sudden this Pacific Division picture that felt sewed up two weeks ago uh, is going to feel very much more wide open than we would have thought it would, you know, by by American Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, it's hard to gain a lot of points if you start as slow as the Canucks have in recent years or as the Oilers have this year. But, you know, the, it's it's also it's also pretty easy to lose ground to other good teams um, if if you start to sputter or if you start to play in a lengthy stretch at a at a point per game clip as opposed to, you know, a 550 points percentage club. Drancer, what are you seeing from Elias Pettersson right now? Oh, man. I mean, he doesn't look right. He's not taking draws. He's not shooting as much. All of that points strongly to him battling an ailment. Rick Tockett's discussed it. We've seen him get practices off, right, take maintenance days. So, you know, I I don't think we're seeing 100% uh, uh, Elias Pettersson. I think we've seen that sort of performance drop off even further as the last 10 games have progressed, right? Like I'd say his first 10 games were scintillating. The five after that were maybe a step back. And then the last five have been, you know, even worse than that. And, and, you know, last night was a real struggle for him. Maybe one of his worst games of the year, Um, you know, by, by like most of the underlying metrics, like, and, and by most of the all in models, right? Like if you go check, goals above replacement at evolving hockey or, or Dom's net rating model, you know, Pedersen's been on balance, one of the most valuable single forwards in the NHL all season. But, um, you know, if this persists, like that's going to be a really tough gap for this team to fill uh, if he doesn't sort of get right. And I don't think he's right right now. Uh, is there any lineup juggling that Rick Tockett can do beyond what he's already doing? Oh, man. I mean, we see him increasingly go to the lotto line. Like, one thing we've seen him do a lot of late is in leverage, including last night when they were chasing the game. We've seen Tockett go to a, a loaded top line with Miller, Pedersen, um, and Brock Besser on it. I mean, I think that's uh, an approach that solves sort of two issues for this team. The, the first being that, you know, I, I don't think you can expect a ton of offense more than you've already got from Phil DiGiuseppe, right? And and also, you know, Kuzmenko um, hasn't been, I think, at his best as a two-way player or as a goal scorer, frankly, um, or point producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then Ilya Mikheyev, you know, is is a... I think he's played really well. His two-way form's been great, but... He just can't finish. That's the thing, right? Like, he can't there finish. Are, there are offensive limitations, yeah. And, yeah. And, we're, and we're seeing them. Yeah. So, you know, I think the when you go to the lotto line, I mean, I think it solves the problems that both of Vancouver's top six lines have to some extent. 
but obviously it blows a hole in the middle of your forward ranks. One thing I'd sort of wonder about is, you know, maybe the Canucks can't construct a really good second line if you load up your top line, but can you construct three pretty good third lines from, from what Vancouver has in terms of their forward depth elsewhere? I'd suggest you kind of can. Like, you, you kind of can, and, and especially when Pew Suter gets back, uh, and that's sort of the rub in this, is I, I don't know how you fundamentally move Miller to wing until, like, full-time until Pew Suter's back. But, um, you know, especially if Pedersen's struggling on draws, loading up the lotto line could help there. And, and once, once Suter's back in the lineup, you know, can you roll Suter, Bluger, Lafferty down the middle – uh, and cobble together something interesting with like a second line that has maybe Mikheyev and um, Kuzmenko or Mikheyev and Garland flanking Suter. Uh, I'll be curious to see if that's sort of something they consider here. But yeah, no easy answers right now. I, I just think it's you know going to be on the top of Vancouver's lineup to get back to controlling play at you know at least the break-even level that they were at in the early part of the season. You know, this game, you're right, Drancer, this game Friday against Seattle, it's a big game. Um, as yeah, as big is. as games can get when, you know, it's the 21st game of the of an 82-game <laughs> season. But it is a big game um, for numerous reasons, including the standings, but also, I think, just the confidence of the team. Um, what do you think the back end is going to look like? Uh, Mark Friedman did not return to the game yeah. yesterday, and I wouldn't be surprised if... I mean, if he's got a concussion or something like that, he didn't. He didn't look yeah. great. Um, Tyler Myers no, is, seems like he's blocked a, a number of shots over the last few games that have hurt. Um, so that's a couple well, defensemen, and his, he's still got lower body tape all over from that shift where he got hurt in Montreal, right? Like, I mean, right. Myers has been taking a lot of. Um, Myers plays tough minutes, man. <laughs> does, <laughs> Nothing yeah. else to it. Myers plays tough minutes. The fact that he's as durable as he is. You know, mm-hmm. is actually pretty impressive. Um, shows a lot of care in, in terms of how he takes care of himself because there, there have been a lot of shots. You're right, but there's all there have also been some awkward collisions, a lot of physical play. Um, you know, the, I, yeah, he gets yeah. tangled up. He gets tangled up he in does. awkward plays quite often, and that's maybe that's the style. And it's also he's he's tall. Um, you know, long limbs, yep. awkwardness. Anyway, uh, Carson <laughs> Susie is also out. Uh, long term Uh, what I'm getting at here is do you think management might be nudged towards making a move soon yeah I I mean I'm sure they're trying Um, I know it's not easy so yeah look it's it's an interesting one Um, you know on the one hand you know you'd rather the team be in the form they were in the first 12 games of the season Right, if you're going to spend more assets to sort of bolster your depth. But on the other hand, if you want to maintain your gains to some extent, maybe that's where the urgency should come from, right? You don't want to waste this starter, or not, not waste it, but have it slip away, right? Have, have teams like Seattle, which were firmly in the chase pack a week ago, sort of begin to run you down. Um, yeah, I mean, look, defensive reinforcements would help. Like Christian Willannon, right? I don't know what Christian Willannon's status, but I joked on Canucks Talk yesterday that, like, the Poochie rule should apply to Christian Willannon <laughs> in, in absolutely every single Rick Tockett scrum right now. Like, yeah. every time um, we don't see Christian Willannon, we should be asking, where's Christian Willannon? Um, but that, that's, really, that's really where the Canucks are at. Like, they, you know, I, I, like, I'm watching these games, and I'm thinking, man, 
you know, a Willan and Myers pair would sure help stabilize things for Vancouver on the bottom pair. Um, yeah, look, they're going to be tested. It, it might be Hirose time, but I certainly do think that if you were able to get Willan up, that would be very, very helpful uh, for where, for what this team needs. You know, even just short term with a, a back-to-back that's tougher in reality than it looks on paper against the Seattle Kraken and the San Jose Sharks this weekend. Hey, Jarenter, I, I know you you mostly cover the Canucks, but I do want to get your thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers because what yeah, is happening to I'm, them is just well, incredible. Yeah, I'm stunned, too. I'm stunned. I'm, I mean, I will say this. like The Florida Panthers might be the best team in the Atlantic. I know the Boston Bruins have jumped off to this outrageous start, but that the Panthers have kept their head above water to this extent without Montour or Ekblad in the lineup with Oliver ekman Larson as their number one defenseman. I mean, you know, they, they, they don't have Barkov in the lineup. doesn't matter. Like Montour's back, doing, right? Is Montour and yeah, Ekblad both came back this weekend. Right. Okay. But I, I mean, you know, think about, think about the quality of talent on some of the like aspirants in the Atlantic, like Detroit, Buffalo, and um, Ottawa, right? Like, there's there's real talent. Like, those teams are not feckless. You know, those teams can do damage, and yet, you know, the Panthers, with all of these absences, have, like, firmly held them at bay, right? Like, they have a lead, and now they're getting back to full strength, and that, that, that team has a chance to be a wagon down the stretch and into the playoffs, much like we saw last spring. Um you know, and then you bump into Carolina, and I know Carolina's record's not great, but if you go look at the percentages, right, like the bounces that have sort of afflicted Carolina, um, they've still been able to pick up, like, a lot of points, right? Like, they've still been successful, and that's sort of the profile of a team that, you know, the bounces will go their way for two weeks, and you'll be like, oh, right, they're 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10, and are now, you know, challenging the Rangers for the top spot in the Metro. Like, that's that's a really tough – those are tough opponents to bump into when you're down bad. And I kind of just wonder if that's what's happened here. I still think the Oilers are playing and controlling games. Um, we're seeing a lot of mental mistakes, but so much of that too is when a mistake ends up in the back of your net and then when a mistake ends up in the back of your net, every time you make a mistake, um, <laughs> you know, it all feels awful, right? It all feels really bad. And then, and then when you're having a losing season, and, and we've covered a lot of these, right, it becomes its own self-fulfilling, yeah. you know, doom cycle where it's like the pressure mounts and no one's happy and confidence gets low and then it's hard to get the break even when you win three in a row as they did sort of last week. Um, I still think this team's formidable. I think McDavid being, being compromised to whatever extent he is is, is definitely hurting them. Uh, just like, just like you know, right now with Pedersen in Vancouver, right? We know that Pedersen's not throwing his fastball at 102 miles per hour. But since it's been such a snow day for two months, it's like, well, you hope that he can get back. But the Canucks have also spotted themselves a lot of margin for error, and it doesn't feel dire. It feels like an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Whereas for the Oilers with McDavid, in, in very similar circumstances, it's like they need this guy to take over and win games, and not just like a few of them, but like. You know, nine of their next ten, ten of their next eleven. If they're so, I, look. Until the Oilers, given the quality of their talent, get to a point where it's like the Oilers have to play at a hundred and ten point pace to get to ninety two points this year. Like until we're there, and we're still probably a week away, 
I'm not crossing them off, but I'm sharpening my pencil, yeah. right? Like it's late. It's late for them. They're, they have to basically play at last season's point pace just to sneak into the playoffs. Now it's a tall order and there are very few signs of life. I will say though, this, this latest two game losing streak, I do wonder if, if partly that's a product of just, Hey, you bumped into two of the top six teams in the league at the worst possible time for you. So uh, it hasn't changed my opinion. It's just sort of amplified the climb that they're, yeah. you know, it's a daunting one. I don't know, that man. Go watch Carolina's one. fifth goal from last night. No, I know. The, I mean, the Oilers, are, they're not moving their feet. They're standing around. And I know. I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, and, and, their, and their new coach bump lasted, like, way too short. Yeah. You need a long should've, should've, new coach bump. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, look if they if they need Bruce Boudreaux's number, just like text me. Yeah, just as a consultant, <laughs> even. Transer, thanks, buddy. Enjoy Seattle. Anytime, boys. Be well. Bye. Uh, Thomas Trance from the Athletic Vancouver here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You know, <clears throat> with regards to the Canucks playoff positioning, I, I get what Trance is saying. Like, you have a couple bad days, and all of a sudden, that once the uh, cushy gap that you had between yourselves and the non-playoff teams goes away. I keep looking at it as how many of these teams, specifically in the Pacific Division, but really there's a lot of bad Western Conference teams right now. There are. Yeah, that's you a know? good point. Yep. Like Seattle is in... The Canucks are going to play some of them coming up. Seattle is... Look, Seattle's in a playoff spot only because they played so many games. Mm. They don't have a good... They're 8-8-5, eight, eight and five, so they're NHL 500, but they've actually lost... 13 of 21 games this year. But this is a big game coming up against Seattle. Right. You need to make, but here's the thing. If it doesn't go well against Seattle, there's going to be alarm bells going off in Vancouver for sure. Cause it's going to be, uh, you've lost four or five, mm-hmm. but after that you get games against two crappy teams in San Jose and Anaheim. And I know you're going to say, Halford, wait a minute. San- Anaheim's not crappy. Anaheim has definitely returned to form. They've gotten back to what we expect them to be. They, they've lost four straight, They've fallen out of that playoff spot. They got a minus goal differential. They kind of are what we thought they were going to be. These next five games are actually all going to be interesting because Seattle, we've already talked about that yep. big game. You want to stop any momentum that Seattle's got. Uh, then San Jose, and say what you will about the Sharks, they're bad, but the Canucks will be playing on the second of a back-to-back. So could be tough. Mm-hmm. You know, San Jose has won three games this year. They right? sure have. They played harder <laughs> against the Canucks the last game. Uh, Their coach just ripped them for being terrible and not trying very hard. Oh, right. So uh, Tuesday, uh, they return home to play Anaheim. I'm actually just curious to see what the Ducks are all about. Uh, Thursday is the Stanley Cup champs, the Vegas Golden Knights. And then Saturday, this is kind of a game like Seattle in that it's on the road. This one's in Calgary yeah, back against Calgary a team again. like you don't want Calgary to get any momentum either. And Calgary are playing slightly better. Yep. I know they lost last night in Nashville, but there have been the odd signs of life in Calgary. Well, one of those signs of life was kind of beating up on the Canucks not too long ago. It was while you were on vacation, was it not? That that 5-2 loss in Calgary where they, they were tired. Remember yeah. we chalked that one up? They're like, it's a DeSmith game. Yeah. He's tired. Everyone's tired. Everyone's just, tired. Yeah, it was a scheduled loss in Calgary, but it was still a 5-2 win for the Flames, and that kind of got them on a little bit of a roll where they went 3-0-1 in four but again, you look at Calgary, you could go the other way with it. Well, they've lost four of their last seven. You know, they've kind of they've mixed in a, a loser point every now and again. But the reality is, of the two Alberta teams, they're the more dangerous right now, and they're not even that good, Calgary. 
They're really yeah. not good. They're not. No, great, they're not. They're not. They're not. Good. They're not good. But none of these. Te- I mean, again, outside of Vegas, like, see, I know Seattle is coming off a big win against the Sharks, and I know that they just beat the Canucks. But Seattle, he doesn't mean important. He just means it was it was a big score. But Seattle, by its record, is not a good hockey team right now. Uh, neither is San Jose, and neither is Anaheim. They've all got they've all got more losses than wins. So those are games that you look at and you're like, okay, if we are going to be a good team in the NHL this year and a playoff caliber team, you have to keep the losing streaks short. Mm-hmm. Again, you, where you really go into the tank is when you lose five, six, seven in a row. Yeah, that's where you and because that's where the negativity creeps in from idiots like us. But it's where and also from you know math. And the coaching staff feels <laughs> it, it like the math. players feel it, right? <laughs> like, for example, that 3-1 win against San Jose on Monday was not an oil painting, um, was not the greatest hockey game you've ever seen, but it was a win. Got the job done. And it broke up what could have been a bad losing streak. Yeah. If they lose to San Jose and they go to lose in Colorado, suddenly you're talking about a four-game losing streak and, like, sky is falling. Mm-hmm. And so what you have to do is start looking at these games being like, you can't give up points to San Jose. Can't give up points to Anaheim. You need to emerge with something from those games. I was right? told Anaheim had arrived, and Mason McTavish was the greatest player in the NHL. Who yeah. told what, what happened who, who there? Told you that? Who are we throwing well, shade at suddenly here? Just, when McTavish had a good week, it was like, okay, no, the Ducks I, are here. He's a 150-point-per-game player. Yeah, when when Mason player. McTavish is scoring. Per game. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would have yeah. been impressive. He's that yeah. good. When Mason McTavish is uh, That's scoring at that is. rate, and they are setting NHL records for most third-period comebacks, you're like, I feel this might not be sustainable. And guess what? It hasn't. Uh, okay. Final half hour of the program to come. Get your what we learns in. Do it. Do it. You're listening to the Halford and Breff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Big Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God. This is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. Eight thirty-three on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy American Thanksgiving, everybody. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. It is what we learned time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Okay. Uh, we're going to do what we learned. Our version. I'm I'm not doing one today, although I might do Zach Benson. I haven't decided yet, but I'm going to orchestrate here. I'm going to lead the band. Got to be a better way to say that. Sounds like you're doing one. Have you asked him? What? <laughs> Nothing. What, are we going to do Zach Benson? <laughs> Buy him a drink first. I know what I said. Um, okay. You started the 8 o'clock hour off. In yeah. A better <laughs> at, least way. You're, at least you're, the time thing is working <laughs> People today. liked that yesterday. They, they, know, they, loved they it. brought people together. They yeah. really did. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, we're going to start with a dog. Uh, E-Dog, Andy Cole, mm. Aladog. Here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, LaMelo Ball uh, asked yesterday, uh, a post-game yesterday, uh, a pretty innocuous 
fun question. Just, you know, what, what are your favorite Thanksgiving dishes? And with the sp- spirit of the holiday season coming up, you know, what do you like with Thanksgiving and all that's involved in it? And But his answer a little bit, uh, well, c- c- caught people off guard. And Laddie's got the audio. Three days off Thanksgiving tomorrow. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? I mean, I got the chicken, the turkey, ham. What else I'm with? Mm, nah, that's about it. Happy oh, Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah, the dessert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be making that. I'll be smacking for sure. Okay. So is the NBA going to start fining all these guys for swearing in yeah, their post games? Like or do where, they like it? I like where we're going as a society here. Yeah, I think they should just stop bleeping them all together. Yeah. And I just, mean, just run look, with it. We're, here's the thing. We should be allowed one F-bomb a show. Yeah, I'm willing to meet. <laughs> that should be the I'm rule. willing to meet in the middle with the regulatory boards here. Like, you give me something, I'll give you something. We got a, mm-hmm. an f bomb limit. Look, just but, but, the there, but that has been a thing, right? Like, yeah. the, especially in the NBA, like the guys are just okay. Swearing. So I watched this uh, interview a few times because it's hilarious in the casualness. Mm-hmm. And when you think that he is taking a pause to reflect about being on live television, was it po- was it post game? Oh yeah, okay. on the court. It was on the court. It was like, you guys didn't yep. win. Yep. Like, everyone's in a good mood. Okay. Hey, I got it. Oh, 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 peach cobbler. Hey, yeah, yeah, no, that was the best part. Is you're like, oh, he's going to apologize for swearing. He's like, oh, I also F with peach cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was going, like, the, yeah. the, the pause was to make sure he got the desserts in there, not to think about, I am swearing. It'd be repeatedly. better if he started with the apology. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm also. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to uh, peach cobbler. Um, so, yeah, I'm. You, Here's the thing, is that uh, eventually, I think everything's just going to turn into a podcast, right? It seems like where society's going, is everyone has a podcast. Some people fake podcast setups so that they can make clips that look like it's from a podcast when it's really rehearsed and everything. And the advantage that all these things have is it's the user downloads it and then takes on the understanding that the content they are consuming is their choice. So if they're swearing in it, they're choosing it, right? It's not like... You'd be subjected to the idiocy of Halford and Bruff when you turn on your radio. You're like, oh my God, listen to these guys. That's offensive. Mm -hmm. I think it's my ears and the language. It's a way for these players to not be interviewed anymore, I think, because they think they're not going to tell you to stop swearing. They're just going to stop interviewing you after the game because they know you're going to drop You can go one way or the other on that. Uh, Marcus Granlin used to just be the most boring person alive. Yeah. He, and I think it was an earnest it was, boredom. It, it, it was, was an in, unintentional. Or that it, was an intentional. I think it was intentional. It had to be. I don't think so. I think it was just... He, it was just shocking. That was him. Really? Yeah. Everything about him That's was so boring. Sad, the way though. he played. <laughs> he was actually really excited. <laughs> um, I remember going up to talk to him after a game and just like asking him for like thoughts on the game and, and just like... Almost just starting to like walk backwards. Did he start out nodding of off. The interview. <laughs> and he was just like, that happens to me a lot. Uh, so you bring up a good point, though, because God, where, I. Where are you going? It's happening as, again. As we see the future of sports broadcasting, uh, we had the Carissa Thompson thing that we played when you were gone about how she just made up sideline reports <laughs> sometimes because the coaches didn't want to talk to her sometimes. I didn't right? know you couldn't do that. And now LaMelo Ball just openly swearing. And he's like, what's the worst that you're going to do? You're either going to find me. And I'll pay the fine, or you just stop interviewing me, which is awesome because I don't want to do these anyway. I wonder if we're going to. He didn't get- sound like he didn't want to do the interview, though. He sounded like he was having fun with it. Yeah, I, right. But I'm sure not all guys it. don't hold want on, to be interviewed. Hold on, hold on. He wanted to do the interview how he wanted to do it. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. the key. Yeah, yeah. He's like, if I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk, and you know, I, I f talk. With he ha- did. I f with Ham. Right. That's what he said. When Those- things are going good for a team. Mm-hmm. Do you think they play little games with the media? Do you remember in uh, what was that super super? No, not Super Troopers. What was it? Uh, what was the one with the the stoner comedy with the cops? Super Troopers. 
Was it Super Troopers? Yeah. Okay. The, the Meow game? Right. Like, I know little games meow. like that. Yeah. Do you think they play, like, how many cliches can I get in there? Or can we say, like, do we, let's use the same word over well, and over again. Do you think teams um, have ever done that before? So do you remember? Um, well, maybe he's, maybe he's like Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. He's like, look, I can't do this without swearing. So if you're going to yeah. let me do this, I have to swear. To his question, though. So do no, you but remember, just like little games yeah. that they'd play. Do you remember when Wes Welker was playing for the Patriots and the Patriots had a rivalry with the Jets and all the Rex Ryan stuff came out about his wife and oh, feet? Right. Yes. Do you guys remember this? Yes. Unfortunately, yes. yes. Wes Welker. Unfortunately, it was incredible. Wes Welker went up to the podium and conducted a press conference in which he had mm -hmm. allusions and references to feet like 20 times. <laughs> Not and even I joking. Remember, it was 20. I remember watching it and being amazed that anyone would go to the lengths that he went. Because that must have taken a lot of effort. Right. Like, I don't think he did that off the cuff. He had to think about it beforehand. He had to come up with all these different, um, like cliches and different mm -hmm. ways. Like we, we, you know, we're gonna put our best foot forward. We don't want to tip our, we don't want to dip our Yeah, we don't want to dip our toes in the water. He went on and on and on. And I remember Belichick just fuming. And I think it was because he's like, "You put too much thought into this." Yeah, he's like, "You could have used that time to prep for football, but instead you tried to take down Rex Ryan." But we. That was a story that I, sometimes I forget about it, and then I remember it, that like Rex Ryan's foot fetish was under the radar, and then it just came. And then to, it wasn't. And then it wasn't. Yeah. And we all just kind of were like, that's the NFL, baby. That's the NFL. Anyway, Moo Cow. That took a turn, by the way. That it started did. with what again? What was your actual what we learned? The Mellow Balls, Thanksgiving. And then it turned into recommendations. Rex, Ryan, Rex Ryan's foot fetish. Yeah, messing with the media. That's the why you listen to the Halford and Bruff show right there. Laddie, go. Uh, so we've been running the Warriors ad the last week. Vancouver Warriors. Vancouver Warriors. Not lacrosse. Cool we, I'm a big lacrosse guy. Bruff okay. appreciates lacrosse. You were saying, though, off the air, uh, Halford, that you don't like the music that plays throughout the game. I don't so love it. It's, it's sort of akin to NBA, right, where they mm. play the music the entire game. Uh, so they do it NLL games. There was an interesting tidbit in the post game for the Warriors yesterday. Uh, you might have a, a friend with you on this on your side here, Steve Kerr, complaining about the music at NBA games. You can hear everybody, you know, um, talking defensively. Although in this building, you can't hear anything because it's like a club. It's like a it's like a South Beach club out there. What are we doing? I'm being dead serious. Like I couldn't hear anything out there. It's just the whole whole game. It's just it's thumping techno club music can we just have a basketball game anymore what the hell sorry for the rant so old crotchety man unite that's, that's an old man that's uh, that that's me i'm like yes yeah. yes i got to the point in my life where i refuse to yell to talk yeah right like i'm i'm not if if well you if need an, your voice too for your an, job no yeah. i just don't want to yeah but if there's an environment that's too loud i'll just i'll just sit there yep and i've had people it, <laughs> do you remember talk, do you remember talking at a club yeah like you're just you're yelling at people yeah. yelling just the whole time no nope, do don't want to do that anymore do you want to dance there with me do you want to dance and when they say no they're like i say yeah okay <laughs> Uh, or the old nod when they say there. something like, yeah, yeah. Well, I, oh, you know yeah. what I've I, The inverse is instead of yelling loud in loud environments, if I can't hear yeah. now, I don't even try and attempt to fake it. I just point to my ear and shake my head. <laughs> yeah. Can't, <Me> too. can't, 
Well, not even that. make an attempt. Yeah. No. Yeah, and they're no. like, but I'm talking to you. I'm like, you you might be. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Don't go to the uh, Golden Knights Arena. I went there for a game, and it is probably the loudest sound system at any event that I've heard. It is it is rocking in there. Now, uh, a few people, by the way, are reminding me that the Canucks. Um, Used to have some fun with the media. Scott texted him, Bruff, remember the Kessler bomb where he'd get in the background of post-game interviews? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, and, yeah, they, the Canucks might have done a few things like that. Well, like, when things are going well, be, right? Yeah. Like, ha- have be, fun with it. Bieksa pretending to be Kessler and then dropping the Guzzler line as an all-timer. That was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yeah, that was great. And the reporter was so enthusiastic. He's like, I can't believe he's saying yeah. this all on the record. Yeah, he was like, Guzzler. <laughs> That's a cool nickname. Where did that come from? <laughs> All right, give us a moot cow. Uh, I, you know what? Screw Zach Benson. He doesn't play here. Okay. Hey. No, no, no. Someone else texted in, so don't worry. We'll get to your... Uh, okay, your, this is kind of like an A-Dog thing. Only but, the nice, nicest first NHL No, no, no. We'll print, we're printing off submissions now. Uh, what we learned, Humanoid Edition, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! So a few people texted us, this in. I like this from Austin and Langley. What we learned, uh, Andy Cole's Zach Benson <laughs> <laughs> scored his first NHL goal yesterday, uh, and now the tally stands at Zach Benson between the leg goals one, Tom Willander between the leg goals zero. Better pick it up, Willander. Yeah. You got a lot riding on that pick. You know, back in the day, um, that would have been reason to send Benson back to the minors. You remember when <laughs> uh, cute between kid. the legs? Yeah. We actually, I think we saw that. Was that during, it was when uh, to, remember when Tomas Hurdle did it to Marty yeah. Biron, and they had to they had to self bench <laughs> Hurdle. <laughs> wasn't like, it? It was a blowout though, wasn't it? Uh, no, I don't. I think it was because it was. His, I think it was his fourth goal. That was that's the, what led that to was the, the, was that the, that the, the joke. Yeah, yeah, was yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. final games of Baron's career. Well, too, he looked terrible. Yeah, he was so small and like dug deep into his net. Was but that anyway, the quote game? Then I think so. Or we're, we're getting it mixed up. But it doesn't. Sure. I know a hundred percent that Tomas Hurdle did it between his legs. Got to be a better way to say that too. And then. Um, <laughs> Todd McClellan, if I'm not mistaken, was the coach at the time. And he's like, son, great goal. You're not playing again for the rest of the night. And he just sat there. Right. Because they were like, you're going to probably get beat up. If you I think that was a it. different game. What we learned, five of the last eight Canucks games have ended five to two. What a crazy world. And really? that is from Mark in traffic. Yeah, they've oh, uh, would not have known that. lost most of them by that score. But... <laughs> They did win two of them because they beat Montreal 5-2 to two and they beat Ottawa 5-2. to two. They lost in Toronto 5-2. to two. They lost in Calgary 5-2 to two and they lost last night in Colorado by the score of 5-2. to two. Yeah. That oh, was yeah. the hurdle four goal game, by the um, way. I just looked it up. Okay, yeah, so it was all the same, right? Oh, it was? Okay. And it was Biron's second last game of his career. He so, played one more and then he retired. Oh. Uh, here's one. Uh, hashtag WWL. What we learned, nothing. Sign the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> I like that, that one. That's pretty clever. I like that one because it's it's the same thing over and over again. Hello, they, darkness, they, my old friend. Seriously. They, they cannot. They cannot seem to get a lead. Every you, game I watch, they're chasing. And everyone's like, oh, they look so good. I'm like, yeah, it's called score effects, yeah. right? I honestly, like, I I was, I, so it was, it was Jack Michaels 
and Jamal Mayer's on the call yesterday, and they were selling so hard this comeback. And I was like, good on you, first of all, for being so optimistic and good on you for like keeping people engaged in the game, right? Like maybe there's a chance here, but I'm like, guys, it's not going to (laughs) happen. Some people it's don't. Not look, gonna happen. Some people don't look at uh, things the way that we do, though. We have to acknowledge this because mm-hmm. some people are like, you just have to stay positive. Any sliver of hope. Yeah, because and, and you know what? There is some validity to it because at the end of the day, you're like, well, what is accomplished by dwelling on negativity or being? If you've ever been on a team and you're losing constantly, mm-hmm. uh, the worst thing you can do is t- turn on one another. I've been on teams where it's like you go to games and training within five or ten minutes, it's like everybody's on each other's case. Yeah. And everyone's pissing and moaning and like getting on each other's case. And you're like, well, this isn't helping. Instead of like at least trying to have a light at the end of the tunnel, we're all just trying to kill each other because everyone's pissed off. I, I just wonder if everyone, everyone in Edmonton is just like kind of shell shocked, right? Well, now, I think the media, on, I think right? sometimes like, the media can't adopt that. They're like, we can be a part of this. Like, we can help this turnaround by mm-hmm. staying. They need to optimistic. do like a team outing or something. Also, some people just want to stay employed. And I get that. I'm seeing a lot of similar memes from Oilers fans <laughs> that I saw from Canucks too. fans yeah. in recent years where, you know, there's a game on later in the year and they, oh, I'm watching the Canucks game, forced to watch it, you know. The uh, mm-hmm. clockwork orange, the eyes pried open. You got to watch it. That's kind of what Oilers fans are sharing right now. They don't want to watch the games, but they uh, have to. Ben and Langley, what we learned, Halford and Bruff have written off the Seahawks. Big game tonight in primetime and not much chatter about it. We've had a few texts about it. And maybe this is Sunday just, killed it for me, dude. Maybe this is just on us for not. No, nope. Sunday, enough Sunday for, killed it for me. I wanted to talk a lot about the Canucks Avs game. Um yeah, the, it, Sunday was so bad. Yeah, it was it was bad against the team that gave them all the lessons that you thought that they would have had to have learned in week one. Don't let up in the second half. Try and pad that lead beyond a comfortable lead to a very comfortable lead. You know, don't go fifty plus minutes without finding the end zone, and then the injuries. Right? Mm-hmm. I thought that if the Seahawks could hit this game on a win against the Rams and at full health that they'd have a shot at taking on and maybe having a chance to beat the 49ers with no Kenneth Walker. And again, he's listed as doubtful, but he ain't playing. Yeah. And a banged up Geno Smith against a, a 49ers team. That's kind of like, Oh, we're back. Hasn't the Seahawks team over the last few years though, like kind of surprised us in both in both good and bad ways like not against Sam Fran but the one thing they haven't done in the last couple years is be competitive against the 49ers but this is what they're saving it up for like the big surprise (laughs) when our star running back is hurt I don't know man I I wish that the circumstances were different going into this one but I got real low expectations for this game tonight and I mean it's also exacerbated by the fact that the Niners have been pretty good since coming off the bye right Mm -hmm. I know that they suffered a big injury on defense. What's his name? Hafanga. He got he tore his ACL, so that's a big deal for them. Yeah. But outside of that, is everyone back now? Like for, for the Niners, like Debo's, Debo's back. back. Yeah. McCaffrey's one hundred percent. Yeah. And, and uh, Trent Williams is back, so it's not great for the Seahawks. But again, I I do understand what you're saying. The Seahawks tend to. I mean, I'm still making this is still appointment television for me. Sa- so I think it's uh, five twenty. Doran in Cumberland. I think we've had a bet annually on the Seahawks 49ers game, and then mm-hmm. the winner puts the proceeds to charity. 
Um, he's re- he's willing to give me the points. So Seahawks at home, Thursday night football, 12th man, all that stuff, plus seven, and I'm still hesitant to take it. I mean, I'll do it because it's for charity. It's not like right. I'm lining this dude from Cumberland's pockets with money, but um, ah, man, I got really low expectations going into this. But it's weird that the charity is the Dorn from Cumberland Foundation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, can make that check out to cash. The human fund. Yeah. Money for people. Can uh, I read this what we learned? Because I yes, agree with Andy, it. You sure. Can. And I was say, talking about it last night. You can on the, on the Twitter. Found one you agreed with. Wow. Uh, what we learned, unsigned text. Having an organ playing at a hockey game is very satisfying. And I was thinking this all last night. Whenever I I always think this, whenever I hear an organ at a Canucks away game, I miss the Canucks organ. I wish they hadn't gotten rid of it. It's just such a great atmosphere setter. And I like it so much more than just the thumping, the nonstop bass. Remixes. Sorry, how'd that go? One more time. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, all nice. the bass and the remixes and all that stuff. Like, I mean, they have their place as well. They could be good too. Mm. But mixing in an, a real actual organ every now and then is very, very good for atmosphere. Could there and be I, like, like a, an organ sing-along song? Isn't there one? There must be. The Canucks need their own sing-along song. Yeah, we've, we've known this. Is. We've known this for years. Yeah, they've ne- well, we tra- and I know they've they're trying to like they want it too. Yeah, you guys, they just you can't guys find tried right uh, which one was it? Which, pina colada. Pina colada. You tried pina colada, didn't work. Yeah, but well, they they, they, they used that was their bubble. That they, was their bubble. That was their bubble song. Yeah, used true, I guess. Yeah. Very few yeah, teams yeah. use organists though. Even in baseball nowadays, it's kind of sad. They're, they're phasing mm. yeah, them out. It's a little antiquated. I wouldn't. It has personality because they the one in L. A. Dieter Rule is like the the greatest at it. He will respond to things that happen on the field and will play little ditties with titles that relate to things that have happened. He Dieter rules. He does Dieter rule. I like Colorado's goal song. It's the dart song. You know, oh yeah, that's close. I think the uh, I think the I think the Leafs might have tried that in there. Like, are they still having auditions for their goal know. song? The Leaf, I, the Leafs broke up Hall and Oates. By the way, I'm I'm saying this. Yeah, did you hear about that? What is going on there? There's like a restraining Hall order. filed a restraining order against Oates. This, this is Hall v. Oates. <laughs> this is ripping apart the yacht rock world. <laughs> <laughs> You think all flags on yachts are at half mast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boats. One is named Hall. One is named Oats. They're colliding in the water. Um, damn, I had something I wanted. To- oh, speaking of sing-along songs, and you mentioned Colorado, they do Blink One Eighty Two, right? And that they do it great. Mm. Uh, they do all the small things. Is that thinks it? it's thinks yeah. all the small things. Yeah. Um, do you who know, does do you know Hall Holland Oats? Uh, We're back to Hall and Oats. Hall and Oats. I did. You ever do the Seattle Soccer Exchange? Yeah. Did everyone in the lower mainland that played soccer did the Seattle Soccer Exchange? I did. I remember I went to uh, a Seattle house, and whenever there was like an older sister there, you're like, "Who's your older sister?" And she was playing. Is this the same thing about me? She was playing Hall and Oates, uh, "Out of Touch." Do you remember that song? You're out of touch. Oh, of course I do. Uh, she was playing that over and over again, and I wonder how she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Hall and Oates diehards just in shambles right now. I wonder how her life turned out. Yeah. You know? Call the Hall and Oates girl. If you're listening, call me. <laughs> Jessica, <laughs> call me. Okay. Text, text it into the show. Um, we got to come up with a Canucks sing-along song. That last... Sing-along th- anthem. Okay. Everyone focus. We'll work on it next show. For now, we got to go, and I need to tell you that uh, everything that you just heard, including the Hall and Oates anecdote, uh, and again, Jessica, if you're there, call. Uh, it was brought to you by Jan Pro, the leader in commercial cleaning. Keep your workplace safe during this flu season by tr- trusting Jan Pro's Envi- Shield disinfectant service. Visit janpro.ca.
ca we gotta go for now we will be back tomorrow with i guess she's pretty old now probably probably yeah. you could ask her if she still had that hall and oats cassette <laughs> that's a good conversation starter right there uh okay we gotta go signing off i have been mike alford he's been jason bruff he's been a dog and he's been laddie this has been the halford and bruff show on sportsnet 650